0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it.
1: TNCs apply. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Out here, Superman. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big
2: opinions, the panel.
0: Well, a panel this morning, two very learned gentlemen, Andrew Gordy, of course, News Hub Fame Guy who TV TVNZ fame. Uh, let's start with you, uh, Mr. Gordy. Uh, News coming through uh, about the Commonwealth Games yesterday that only two guaranteed sports, which means a lot of other sports around uh, New Zealand in particular, will be left guessing for quite some time. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning, Guy, as well, and to all the listeners. Um, Smithy, I've got to say, I'm absolutely stoked uh, with this announcement because uh, as much as it's pretty dramatic, obviously, like slashing it from 16 guaranteed sports down to just two, like that. That's a that's an enormous move, right? But they've got to do something because the Commonwealth Games. I won't go as far as to say it's become a joke, but it's become like the participation certificate you got uh, when you're at primary school. It just it is struggling for relevancy, I, I think, in, in a in a modern sporting world, I suppose. Um, and you know, we see the Olympic Games are obviously going to you know some pretty Um, unprecedented lengths to engage new audiences and and I think the challenge is even greater for the Commonwealth Games so I'm really pleased actually to see that the organisers and the officials uh, involved with with the Commonwealth Games have recognised this and uh, they're trying to move with the times to try and safeguard the future of the event. I wouldn't necessarily like to see it disappear but they've got to change something and the changes have to be dramatic and it looks like that's what they're doing.
0: So Guy, are they your sentiments as well, or do you have a different take?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be boring. They are my sentiments, I've got to be honest. Um, Commonwealth Games has been dying, really, for probably the the last at least three versions of it, I I would say. Uh, Of course, when it rolls around and New Zealand starts winning medals, then people get excited about it. But let's be honest here, it's very much the, the, the poor cousin at the moment to the Olympics, isn't it? Um, and, and that might sound harsh, but but that's the reality. O- on top of the, the sports move, I think the move to, to allow it to be hosted over numerous or, or at least two cities and, and even not just one country, I think is, is so smart in the current climate. Um, you know, th- these, these events cost millions and millions and millions of dollars, and, and it's now... Um, dwindling I suppose the, the number of, of cities and countries that can possibly host these sorts of events so for it to remain viable for it to remain uh, an event that, that will stay on the sporting calendar I think these are, these are very smart moves and probably moves that, that that have been overdue for some time
0: So uh, Guy, we're, we're going to talk very shortly to uh, Mark Cameron who's the CEO of Bowls New Zealand uh, Where does... Uh where do you see a, a sport like Bowls sitting there? Now, what, what's the incentive there uh, for uh, Excellent, apart from just the local market?
1: Well, yeah, that that's probably the sad aspect of this, is that sports like Bowls and maybe netball in some cases um, could be left behind and, and could be left out of, of future Commonwealth Games. Uh, and that is one sad aspect of this, but uh, this event has to move with the times um, and... and with all due respect to those sports, and I like both of those sports, but with all due respect to, to those sports, they are, I suppose, well, bowls in particular is is, is on the whole something for the older generation uh, and I know there are, are younger people playing bowls these days and, and I, I played bowls a little bit with some mates a few years ago and I, I bloody loved it and I would implore anyone to get out on the greens, but these events need to appeal to the young generation these days, and um, you know that 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 will see a, a changing of how the Commonwealth Games look. Uh, but I think it is something that that needs to happen if it wants to stay if it wants to stay alive uh, in, in future iterations.
0: Uh, Andrew, uh, it's been over seven hundred days, or it had been, since the All Whites uh, all laced up their boots collectively. Uh, so they've had two games, two wins. I mean, uh, that's quite remarkable that uh, Danny Hay has been able to get them together so quickly and form those combinations and absolute joy, I'm sure, in the Kirwan household this morning.
2: Yeah, absolutely and rightly so. And, and you know, I've got to say, hats off to Nico Kirwan because he, uh, he committed a pretty serious blunder in the first um, fixture against Kurosawa uh, and um, for him to come back, Um, and score um, a a very late winner, 87th, 88th minute winner, um, shows great strength of character and that'll be an enormous boost to his confidence, that's for sure. Um, And you're quite right. Hats off to Danny Hay because this team hasn't played together in a very, very long time. And to put together a team based purely of uh, overseas internationals, um, cobbled together short notice, come together and play, uh, play two games and secure two wins against um, opposition which had, had sort of had some match fitness, I suppose. They had been playing together. I think it's really positive signs. And, and just on that, Smitty, um, I, was, I was actually really disappointed with some of the New Zealand, I suppose the traditional New Zealand football fan base. Um, during the Olympic Games when this New Zealand team, were, or you know, the Ollie Whites under Danny Hayes, Produced some unprecedented results. I just could not believe the negativity that was being spewed on social media about Danny and about the style of play and everything. It's it's just not. It just doesn't wash with me. I mean, I think he's doing a spectacular job in very very trying circumstances. You can't expect you know this team to be playing like you know Manchester City at the moment. They they barely you know see each other. And if this is what they can do, on very short notice, I think it's really positive signs as we you know, head towards a 2022 World Cup, which really is not that far away now. Um, and they're going to be, hopefully, getting themselves into a position where they can uh, be in an intercontinental playoff once again. And, and who knows? We could be seeing this all-white team uh, back at a World Cup very, very soon. But like you say, really positive signs. And I think Danny and, indeed, all the team deserve a great deal of credit for what they've managed to achieve over the last few days.
1: Can I you just jump in there, there Smithy? Yeah, um, absolutely. As, as a, okay. Sorry, as, as a non-football person, and, and, and I, I, I like the game, but I just don't watch it nearly as much as Andrew. But I watched, I was lucky enough to obviously be at the Olympics, and I watched a few of their games. I love the way they play. And, and I've watched Neil White so many times over the last few years and found them boring. They were boring under Anthony Hudson. They were not very good under Anthony Hudson. Danny Hayes come along and actually injected some youth and some life into that team. And like Andrew says, I don't understand how he cops so much criticism. He seems from the outside and, as I say, from a non-football person, he seems like a good coach and the players seem to like him. I, I, I would I would applaud everything that he's done for that team so far. I think he's been, think he's been a, a, very, a very good appointment by New Zealand football and one thing that they've done very well in the last few years.
0: Well, uh, that brings me to my next point then Guy is that uh, let's get them some more games. I mean 700 days obviously it's a difficult time and, and yeah. it's a bit more uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's harder, uh, let's be honest to arrange these things but there are a lot of windows where a lot of international sides play, seem to play a lot of football uh, uh, let's not starve them after all this time and then coming up with their side of the bargain
1: Yeah and that is one reason why again as a non-football person it's hard to kind of uh, follow them and, and want to get up, um, you know, to watch them play because they just play so sporadically and, and, and so rarely. Andrew will know the reasons why um, why they don't. But uh, I'm, I'm like the I would like to see them play more. I would like to get behind them more. I'd like to be able to um, follow these guys a bit more and, and you know have a have a New Zealand football team to support on on more than more than a, a once yearly or once every second year. Basis because um, yeah uh, you know it's hard to follow them when they're playing so so sporadically. Andrew will know the reasons why, and um, I'd like to hear yeah I'd like to hear why why they aren't playing. Is that a New Zealand football problem or a FIFA problem or what's going on there? I think
2: it's I think it's a multi-layered problem. Um, You know, obviously teams overseas. um, If we just take UEFA for example, right? UEFA has the UEFA. Nations League, so there's sort of like a consistent diet of football that is relatively localized, right? So they're playing, you know, in Europe against other European teams. Um, that gives those international teams a, a consistent diet of football. I suppose it's the same for for South America and other major confederations as well. A lot harder for Oceania, right? Small, small um, confederation, uh, not not as many teams, and they they have obviously had some major logistical problems. Um, relating to COVID, but also relating to the fact that our players are based literally in all corners of the globe. It's very hard to get the team together. Um, And um, friendly windows haven't really been there in the same way that they have previously because, um, you know, those windows have been scratched, essentially, to to make way for official windows. And it's really difficult to uh, organise friendly fixtures against other nations when they're often tied up Having to play official like World Cup qualifying fixtures, um, so I think we'll start seeing some momentum uh, in the coming, you know, the coming months. I suppose as we do really start to approach uh, the end of the the World Cup qualifying cycle. But absolutely, I mean, Danny has obviously crying out for more fixtures like this, more fixtures against um, high high level or reasonably high level opponents um, who are who are match hardened, and that's the sort of uh, diet of football that they need. So going to be successful when it
0: comes to an intercontinent player. Andrew Gordy and Guy Havelt with us on the panel uh, this morning. Plenty more to talk about uh, after the news, which uh, we're going to go to now with Trudy. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy, uh, Guy Havelt, with us uh, this morning on the panel, and uh, Andrew uh, was a pretty passionate Neil Barnes, uh, uh, the Taranaki coach. Uh, yesterday on the basis that his side, uh, regardless of how well they play, will not have the prospect of promotion this year. Uh, How do you feel about this?
2: Well, I certainly feel sorry for Neil Barnes, but I've got to take my hat off to the man as well. What a serve for New Zealand rugby. It's not often you see, uh, well, anyone (laughs) in New Zealand rugby, player or coach, dish up a serve like that to the Um, paymasters. Either Neil Barnes is a very confident man or he's got a coaching gig lined up. Uh, in Japan sometime very soon. Um, I, I love seeing that heat from him, and it's utterly deserved. Um, you know, this is a competition. You know, these guys are playing professional rugby, and the aim, you know, Neil Barnes' job this year was to coach Taranaki to a level and to, you know, to, to win that competition so that they could secure promotion uh, to the premiership. And to be told that's just not going to happen this year, I mean, that's that's... Uh, a a horribly unfair thing to do I think. I mean sure um, you know the Auckland teams haven't been able to play this season and so obviously those teams aren't you can't make them, they're essentially scratched from any and all competitions right they can't be promoted, they can't be relegated that's just a a fact but that doesn't mean that the competition shouldn't go on without the other teams and that the other aspect of the competition shouldn't be uh, included this year because those teams couldn't be um, I think everything you said is absolutely right. And at the very least, why couldn't they have just had promotion this year? Did they necessarily need to have relegation? Um, it's desperately unfair for Taranaki and all power to Neil Barnes for speaking the way that he did. And we actually need more coaches and more players uh, being prepared to speak their mind like Neil Barnes. Good on him.
0: 8 6 split, that would mean, uh, Guy, um, if you were to promote Taranaki and not demote anyone, an 8 6 Premiership Championship split. Uh, they could cater for that?
1: Well, they, they probably could. Look, I, I think the bigger thing at play here, I, I completely agree with with Andrew in the sense that it's nice to hear a coach say what he really feels as opposed to just tying the company line. Uh, that was a breath of fresh air. I, I think there's a bigger thing at play here, and, and that's why do we even have premiership and championship? Get rid of it. Get back to the old days of, of just a straight competition uh, or even go back to the days of of first division second division third division uh, I think that was that was the glory days of of, of the n p c and i look I can understand um why it had to change to certain certain aspects because of financials and all that sort of stuff but does anyone could you could you name me the teams in the premiership and the championship I, I know i couldn't i couldn't tell you right now who's in what um i, I know Hawkes Bay has the rams shield that's pretty much uh, all I could tell you about domestic rugby I, I just think it's difficult to follow. I don't think anyone really cares who's in the Premiership or in the Championship. Clearly Neil Barnes does, but uh, I think if you ask the general public, not many of them could tell you who's in what competition, and uh, that, for me, inst- instantly um, makes it not as worthy as it probably should be.
0: Okay, that's it's an interesting point of view. I must admit, we get texts uh, to the show guy, and a lot of people are very passionate about that level of rugby still, Uh, A lot for uh, people, it's the heart and soul, their true colours, etc. However, uh, moving on to uh, a little bit of cricket now, and uh, the T20 is winding up, the IPL T20 is winding up. Man, our Kiwi coaches have done well. We've got three of uh, on the ground over there, Fleming, um, McCullum and Hessen, and they all managed to get their teams through to a playoff situation, and now it's looking pretty good for uh, Fleming and McCullum to face off a guy.
1: Yeah, it's it's been. Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of it, but but man, the Kiwis are arguing doing well coaching wise. What I what I would say to that, and this is absolutely nothing against Gary Stead, because I think what he's done with the Black Caps has been excellent, and and I've got no reason to to, to sit here and say that he shouldn't be the Black Caps coach however long he wants to be. But when his time is up, uh, I just hope that New Zealand cricket can manage to get one of those three guys that you just mentioned. Probably not he because he's had his go, but one of those other two, and McCullum or Fleming, to go and coach the Black Caps. And I think that's, that's probably the, the, the big test for New Zealand cricket is how do you possibly take away um, a Fleming or a McCullum, for this example, when they're in, you know, four, what is it, probably four months, if that, of, of work and they're getting paid very handsomely to then go and coach the Black Caps for um, 12 months of the year and probably not get paid as much as they do in the IPL. Uh, they need one of those guys next, I think, because they've proven that they can coach cricket teams very well, uh, but that's a massive test for New Zealand cricket in, in how on earth they do that, and uh, probably a test for, for SENZ as well in terms of uh, trying to cling on to Brendan McCullum if that is the case, that he has to go into the Black Caps because that is a, a full-time job, but uh, yeah, that's what I would like to see next after, after Gary Steeds had his time is one of those two guys take over the New Zealand cricket team.
0: Yeah, I guess, Andrew, too, the, the possibility, um, and, and we'll have to wait and see what happens in the next uh, month or two, uh, particularly with the ICC T20 World Championship. If New Zealand were to go maybe not so good there, There's been always been this talk about, is it, is it possible that uh, we have different coaches for different disciplines within the game? And with that kind of strength on the ground, I suppose that adds to that weight if if we don't go so good? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: I, I suppose, I mean, this is, This idea is not really new, is it? I mean, I can remember, you know, talk about getting, you know, Shane Bond and Daniel Vittori to to coach the New Zealand T20 team um, not so long ago, you know, when we're talking when Mike Hesson was the coach. Um, I think it really comes down to money, doesn't it? Um, Especially if, you know, for someone like Stephen Fleming, right, he doesn't really really need to um, be spending. uh, I don't think there would be any desire from his point of view and it wouldn't really be worth his time. Um, to coach New Zealand uh, in just the T20 format. Um, I think it it works for him doing Indian Premier League and things like that, because obviously the money is very, very appealing. But um, from from what I can gather anyway, in in, uh, some of the brief conversations I've had with um, with some of these guys, is that when it comes to coaching in the Indian Premier League, it's it's not really coaching. It's kind of almost like motivational and management. Um, And it's just talking and listening, really. Um, which which makes it a lot easier, I suppose, for, for guys like this. It's, it's you're not. I mean, these are world class players they're dealing with. They don't need to tell them how to how to bat and how to bowl. It's it's really just you know go out there and do your job. And I think that's where some of those um, maybe I'll, maybe I'll call them sort of recent players um, are the ones who have an advantage when it comes to T20 cricket because they've played at that level and they know what they want to hear and and what they need out of a coach at at that level and it's and like I say it's not throwdowns in the nets and um, working on the technique it's just um, helping me to remain confident which let's face it T20 cricket is a lot about confidence Um, maintaining confidence keeping keeping um, the morale and, and boosting energy I suppose and and that's how you you have a happy group, and a happy group generally is more likely to win. So I think that's where um, not only Fleming, but Brendan McCullum and Ricky Ponting, it sounds like um, everything I'm hearing out of Australia is that the Aussies love playing for Ricky Ponting, and I don't think it's any coincidence that, you know, the the three names that I've just mentioned, they're all, you know, sort of much of a muchness really, aren't
0: they? Yeah, they are. Absolutely right. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time this morning, Guy Havelt and Andrew Gordy.